Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking About the Big Stuff podcast with Michael Cole and Matthew Cravat. I am Michael Cole. And I am Matthew Cravat. All right, uh, let's talk about soulmates. That's tonight's topic. Okay, you know, I have a question about soulmates then. Because you are a recovering Catholic. Uh, and I don't know how Catholic magic works. So so I have a Catholic magic question for you. Um, so I know Harry Potter spells. I get some are, are um, hexes and some are charms. You know, I, I get that. But I don't know Catholic blessing magic. And in the news today and yesterday, I think, it was news that um, the, the high wizard of the Catholic Church, the Pope guy, um, yep. has said, or the Vatican now has said, because I think the Pope has said stuff before, but the Vatican has like formalized that it's okay for priests if they choose to bless a same-sex couple. They cannot perform a wedding ceremony. No, no, no. They can't do that magic. They can't do it in a church because that's the magic place. I get it. They can't wear their magic robes. They can't wear vestments. So basically in their spare time, they can bless a same-sex union without bringing down the wrath of the Vatican and the, the Vatican ninjas coming in and assassinating them in their sleep, I guess. But what I don't understand is what the fuck does that even mean? They can bless it. They can't perform a ceremony, but they can bless it. Does that mean they can say mazel tov without getting in trouble? Like what is the blessing spell and what does it mean? Why does anyone care they can cast that spell if they're still sending them to hell and still won't perform marriages? Speak for your ex people. I have no idea. If yeah. I were to guess, it's it, it's if I'm if you want me to, if you want me to be honest, uh, the honest Why answer start is now? Uh, the honest answer is realistically that he's uh, he's trying to have his cake and eat it too. Honestly, like that's what it is. Is mm-hmm. he's trying not to seem like a monster, while also not trying to seem like so progressive that they that there's an uprising in Catholicism. If that, that's my honest guess as to what's going on here as for the actual meaning of all the, that shit. I don't know. It's weird that no article said anything other than they can bless the union, but they can't perform a wedding ceremony. I'm like, then what does that even mean? Like, I don't know what bless the union means. If it's not perform a wedding ceremony, what I mean, all I can think of is it means saying mazel tov. Yeah. You know what I think of? I think of the scene in, um, Blazing Saddles, where the little lady calls him the N word, says "Get out of my way, N word." Then after he, what's the N word? Um, nasty man. And um, <laughs> last time I said the N word on the show, you said, "What is it? Say it." <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, um, and then like he, after he stops Mongo, she knocks on the on the side window of the, of the sheriff's office, and she's there with a pie, and she goes, "I just want to say." I'm sorry about, you know, the, and then she said the thing again earlier, and I wanted to make it up to you by this pie and gives her, gives him a pie. He's like, well, thank you, ma'am. And she walks away. He shuts the window. He turns to talk to Gene Wilder and there's a knock at the window. He opens it up again and she says something to the effect of, of course, you'll have the good manners not to mention this to anyone. <laughs> and he's like, of course. And, um, and he closes the window and then they, uh, Gene Wilder's like, you're becoming an underground sensation. You know, in a couple of years, they'll even talk to you on the street in public. And uh, and that's what I feel like the Pope is doing. It's like, you, you can't let them in the church to get married, and you can't perform the sermon, and you can't wear the, the collar. But you can say congratulations. Yeah. Um, 
I think honestly what it is is beyond the I think they can bless them the way that a normal lay person would bless them. Like they sneeze? No, but like, that, like I don't I don't get the magic. I don't know what a blessing so, is. So you you remember in The Godfather when when Luca is uh is talking about may your first child be, be a, a masculine, masculine child. Yeah, with you, like yeah. you could just it basically you could just wish upon them for them to be happy. Yeah, so saying a I, priest won't get in trouble for yeah. being nice to a gay couple, basically. Right. Yep. Beautiful. And people oh, I think wow. this is huge and progressive and what a great step it is in the right direction. Look how far we've come. <laughs> so I just I even heard... when they're soulmates who are getting married to keep us on topic. So soulmates. Soulmates. What what is your take on soulmates, ye who brought it up? Well, I I forget I'm gonna misquote something because I already misquoted a joke, so I may as well can keep going, right? Um, but I did. I'm forgetting who it was that said it. They said, "I if soulmates are a real thing, I don't think it's something that just happens. I think it's something that you create, and that to to mean that like yeah, I'm there isn't like one person for me on this earth, but if I find a person that works with me and we work really hard, we can become this thing, and I like that idea." Um, you know, it's, it's the actual true idea of soulmates. Say if you don't believe in souls is difficult to believe in soulmates. True. Um, but I think that we, you know, in a more, uh, you know, uh, generic way, not, uh, not specifically meaning like a literal soulmate, but in a more, you know, um, was, is there one person who's meant for you who you connect with? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I may quote the wordsmith Tim Minchin in his song, If I Didn't Have You, yeah. on this topic, he says, look, I'm not undervaluing what we've got when I say that given the role chaos inevitably plays and the inherently flawed notion of fate, it's obtuse to deduce that I found my soulmate at the age of 17. It's just mathematically unlikely that at a university in Perth, I happen to stumble on the one girl on earth Definitively, definitively designed for me. And if I may conjecture a further objection, love has nothing to do with destined perfection. The connection is strengthened. The affection simply grows over time like a flower or a mushroom or a guinea pig or a vine or a sponge or bigotry or a banana. And love is made more powerful by the ongoing drama of shared experience and a synergy of a kind of symbiotic empathy or something. I like, I like that song. Well. Yeah. I I I think that I agree with a lot of that. Um, but then you like hear his later songs and you're like the life that he's built with his wife, like whether But I think he built it though. You gotta build it. Yeah. He doesn't build that. I know. And I think there's a there's a large amount of luck that plays into it. Because oh, sure. if you marry at a young age, especially, you are you get together at a young age and then eventually get married, whatever the, your, the chances of growing apart and the chances of growing together, is not totally within your control. I mean, and some people would say, some philosophers say, no, it's not at all in your control. It's just going to happen or it's not going to happen. So, you know, if, if people grow together and continue to stay together retroactively, we can look back and say soulmates. And if it doesn't yes. work out, we go, Oh, you married the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because I have, I mean, I probably said on the show before, maybe even last week, you know, I have um, my 
mantra of, of the right time to get married is that you don't get married to the person that you think you could spend the rest of your life with. You get married to the person that you can't spend the rest of your life without. And if you start at that point, then you have a chance of actually staying together and making it. But if you start at a, yeah, this could work, mm, yeah. probably not going to work when it gets tough. Yeah. Or just not, you know, not that close. I mean, it's hard enough to grow in the same direction. And, and it happens, you know, that there's the Fiddler on the Roof, the song, the Do You Love Me, where it's like they were arranged marriage 40 years ago, but they're still together and, you know, they grew to love each other over time. So you, you can go that direction as well, that you become closer. That's the one that's Do You Love Me Now That I Can Dance, right? Exactly. The, the, the classic um, Russian Jewish um, number that is what Footloose was basically based on that, that, that the fight, the dance sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, watch me now. Oh, watch me now. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a, uh, what a mashup that would be. Except that I don't know the, I don't know the Fiddler on the Roof song. The only Fiddler on the Roof song I know is if I were a rich man. And I don't really know it that well. I know the Gwen Stefani version better. So, <laughs> But there's this, there's one sweet song where you know the whole if you if, if you weren't so anti-Semitic you would have seen the movie by now or the play, and the whole premise is it's the original story is called Tevia and his daughters and Tevia the, the 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 main character is trying to marry off his daughters throughout the backdrop of Russian pogroms and and towns being destroyed by Russian soldiers um, pre World War One or pre pre Revolution before the Russian Revolution, uh, yeah. which is also pre World War One, um, but um, and as he, as he, one by one, they don't want to marry the person that was selected for them. They want to pick their own spouse and, and, and break tradition. So they, they don't want to marry the people that were slated for them. They want to break tradition. And eventually he turns to his wife and he's like, you know, sings a song asking her if she actually has ever learned to love him. And, he, and she's like, I cook your food. I darn your clothes. I warm your bed. And now you ask, do I love you? And then he's like, yeah. Do you love me? Like she, and she won't even answer. She just answers the question with a question because she's a Jew. Yeah. So, what is your thoughts on, on other than the song? What are your act? Your I think the song sums it up. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, not using the magic word soul because I don't believe in souls in the first place. But yeah. I don't think that there's perfect matches that if these two people just meet, everything would be perfect. I think no. there are people who are more suited to be in a long-term relationship and could probably succeed with a number of different people. Mm-hmm. And there's people who are shitty at being in relationships and will probably fail with a number of people. And it's not a matter of finding the right match sometimes. It's a matter of you need two people who are able to be in a long-term relationship together. Yeah. And I, and okay. I, and I, and I mean, if you said soulmates... You know, like there's huge categories of them, and it's you got to find one of them. You know, there's a there's a two million yeah. three hundred forty seven out there. You just got to hook up with one of them. Three hundred million Americans. They may not all be in America. Like the point in yeah. in Tim mentioned song about to, that I would meet her at a university at Perth. Like Molly and I met at NC State. Like is that you know my soulmate just happened to be at the school that I transferred to? <laughs> Lucky. Oh yeah, yeah. I met Sarah like three miles from where I went to high school. Yeah. Um, now 
Here's a hypothetical for you. I think that I can convince you that soulmates could hypothetically exist. I, okay. There's, there's a man and a woman. It can be a man and a man or a woman. So sexy. But first, but no, it's just it's actually uh, heter. It's homophobic. So heteronormative uh, of you. Heteronormative. Uh, there are two people. Ooh, humans. Are who, two people who are both foot fetishists and live in Korea. And they meet each North other. North or South? I don't remember which one has soul. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I was really hoping you weren't going to call me on that. Uh, so there's two foot fetishists. Who, and, and then they meet each other. And they fall in love. And they spend the rest of their lives together. Are they soulmates from soul who happen to love each other's souls? They're, they're soulmates who, who mate solely in soul with their souls. South Korea. South Korea. That makes sense. It'd be that better if it was definitely. North Korea because then they wouldn't be able to leave. So it would solely be in Seoul because they wouldn't be able to leave ever. Yeah. Did you ever read um, the Kurt Vonnegut book, uh, Cat's Cradle? No. There is a banned religion called Bokananism. And a part of the ritual is you take off your shoes and socks and you rub souls with the person that you love. So oh, nice. that your souls can make contact with each other. He, he was. Uh, so I've only read um, Slaughterhouse. Uh, Slaughter, is it Slaughter? Yeah, I was gonna say five. You didn't read, you didn't read the first four. No, did not. Uh, but that Slaughterhouse Five, it, it didn't sound. That sounds like very much like something that would happen in um, a Douglas Adams book, more so than than what I a little bit. I read of Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah, well, it was a satire of religion and politics. So, the, the, as it turns out, the, the religion's a made-up religion. I mean, they all are, yeah. but it's made up on the island as part of a, because it's a banned religion. It's made up by the government to be banned so that people will practice it in spite of the government and feel like they're getting one over on the government. And uh, it, it reinforces each other. Kind of like the emperor uh, being the chancellor at the same time. The Emperor in the Emperor's New Groove. Exactly. I don't feel like I have to say it. Oh, I forgot you don't watch Disney because you hate your child. I forgot. I, I forgot. I watch Disney. I just don't watch Seven Dwarfs. Because it's not on the show. I've been in. Because it's what? Because they're anti Semitic. The, the, <laughs> the short people with big noses who go digging for money all the time. God damn it. We'll bring it right back. That's not my fault. Uh, That's every story of dwarves and goblins that from you know um, british and uh, european folklore is anti-semitic tropes i didn't cause that jk rowling's fault yeah i love that clip of john stewart when he's like talking about how the gringotts goblins look like uh the elder uh the not elders of zion uh the was the the keeper the protocols of zion and uh and and how and then People are like, we're flipping out that he called her anti-Semitic. He's like, no, 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 I'm just saying that, like, holy fuck. <laughs> I mean, there's a star of David in the floor in the movie. And I know she didn't do the set of the movie, so that's not her fault. But yeah. still, holy fuck. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Soul I mean, and I don't blame her for that. That's just, that's the, the European tradition. She just used what was there, probably uncritically and didn't think about, oh, wait, that's what that means. Yeah. I mean, it's a Middle Ages race, anti-Semitism. It's not. 
that one's not her fault. The trans yeah. stuff, that's her fault. Yeah. There's plenty to blame her for. Um, so souls, soulmates. So do you think Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I I think there are some people who will never be in a great long term relationship, some people who could do it easily with a number of people, and some yeah. people who need to find someone the right person and it could take three or four tries. But they're also not the same person at try three as they were in try one. And maybe if they were sure. that mature the first time, they would have done it right the first time. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I also think like, so I have, I have an example of this. I, I, there, I have two friends um, who I think were absolutely head over heels in love with each other. And it just never clicked timing wise for them. And I think that like, if it had, if their timing had been correct, I think that they would have had, you know, been, been together and, and had an amazing life together. And it, it sucked because, uh, you know, I was there for, you know, basically like, I felt like how I met your mother or any of these other, like, it's felt like that type of story of like, they got together a couple of times and it just wasn't the right timing for it. And, but it like, well, he was so overhead head over heels in love with her and you know she would get frustrated you know with with dumb shit that he would do and then she would you know but then she was in love with him and 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 so i was try like i guess that's that was you know when i knew them i was still religious and there's a big part of me that felt like they were soulmates and unfortunately she fortunately she she's the one that passed when i was working with you so she, uh, that died not past see well, I mean, euphemistic language it's built into us uh she's the one that died when i was working with you so like they're there it times up they're not gonna have their chance but so i always you know i like hold on to the idea of it i i i think i i at some point early in my relationship with sarah we would talk about soulmates and and I think that sometimes I'm a little too honest, and it's not a great thing. Uh, and I would say, yeah, I do think we're soulmates, but I thought the last girl was a soulmate, and I thought the girl before her was a soulmate. So, like, ultimately, like, it's I think it's fine when you're in it, as long as you're not blinded to shit by it. Yeah. Well, that's why I say like it's a it's a it's a retroactive thing. You're, after you're together yeah. thirty years, you can go, oh look, we were soulmates. But yeah, yeah, in the beginning, obviously, anyone you think you're in love with or you are in love with, you think is your soulmate. Otherwise, you wouldn't say you love them. Though I will say, I have a friend who, when she's divorced, and when she heard me say my thing about marry the person you you can't live the rest of your life without, she smacked my arm, like like punched my arm, whatever, and said, if you had told me that before I got married, I wouldn't have married him. Like, like I, I would have definitely realized that's not how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair. I think I, I really like that um, concept. I know that I was not given that advice ahead of time, but I think if I had been given that advice, I still would have married Sarah. I think and it's funny, you know, because um, you know, I, I got an English degree. I'm, I'm okay with words, you know. So I, I think I phrase that straightforward, not metaphorically, but straightforward, but, but you know, fully. Where my best friend growing up who um, ain't the best with words necessarily. He, when he, the way he told me that he was gotten engaged was he called me up and he goes, Hey man, I messed up. I'm like what's wrong? He goes, I love her. I got to marry her. 
And it's the same idea. Like he realized yeah. that this love was different than his previous girlfriends and he has yeah. to marry her because he had to spend the rest of his life with her. So he was much more concise than I was, but I think yeah. he was saying the same thing. And they're still yeah. together. They're married longer. They got married before we, I think we were engaged when they got engaged. It took us longer to get married for multiple reasons, uh, logistics wise. And, um, but they've been married like so just a little longer than us. Yeah. Yeah. I the advice that I was given I can't remember if I was given this advice before I met Sarah or before I proposed to Sarah. My uncle told me, I think his father had told him and it was good advice and it was uh Better shop around. Ooh, ooh. No, it was uh find somebody who makes you better. And Sarah absolutely makes me better. Yeah, that's a low bar for you, though. I mean, anyone can make you better. I mean, if you average yeah. better. Well, and and truthfully, if we were both applying that standard, then Sarah wouldn't have married me. So right, right. Yeah. right. So well, I mean, it could be though. You know, you could be a you know like a ionic bond that together, you know, synergy that you the the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. But um. Yeah, what was I going to say? So I said, yeah, the thing about making better, and, and I think that the thing I've noticed, the thing that I keep coming back to is, is like, I, I you know, I've, having seen you with Madhavi a little bit, and have, and you've seen me with, with Sarah a little bit, I, mean, we, I haven't seen you hang with her that much, but like, you know what I mean? We like, have interacted. Yeah, in front of me, I mean, like, but my point being, and if you're a ten dollar patron, I don't mean if you're dirty. a ten dollar patron, you just heard the whole story about the time <laughs> we met at the Eyes Wide Shut Club. <laughs> My, what I was gonna say was, is that you, I'm okay. You've met, I'm sure you've met people where their spouse is like the person who they co-sign the house with, that they fuck occasionally, that they decide they wanted to have kids together, but they don't do any of their shit together. You know. Like that people that you're like, I wonder what what part of the relationship where they really share because I don't see it when I'm with them. Like I don't know why they're yeah. together. Yeah. Right. He's like all about sports and she's like you know, all you know, and they don't sound hang like, out together. Sounds like the intros to an eighties sitcom. He is all about sports. She loves yeah. to bake cookies, but together they're two of a three of a kind. But yeah. But she doesn't but you know, they don't hang out to you like you don't see them to interact together. You don't get any vibe from them. Yeah. Like, and I know a good amount of couples like that. So I, I will see that and I will raise it. It freaks me out when people think that's the way it should be. Like yeah. I've had, like my, my wife used to work at, at the same company I did. And when she did four out of five days a week or even more, like almost all the time we had lunch together. Like we yeah. meet the cafeteria, you know, walk over to the cafeteria together, have lunch together. And her coworkers would ask her why she has lunch with me all the time. You know, and we've been married, you know, uh, six or seven years. I had a kid or two at that point, you know, and we're like, yeah. like, she's like, cause I love him and want to spend time with him. Like, oh, well, you see him all the time. Why do you want to have lunch with him? It's like, cause there's not enough time in the day for us to spend together. Like every minute that we can be together, we'd like to be together. And generally there's things we do apart, but you know, you have the opportunity to be together. Why wouldn't you? And yeah, that's or how people, I, you know, when I, you know, I talk science fiction geek stuff to someone and I'll say how my wife can outquote me in Star Trek and, and definitely in Lord of the Rings. And like, wow, she's into that stuff. I'm like, 
I don't know that I'd be married to someone who wasn't like that's you know for me what I'm into. Why would I have been with someone who doesn't like any of the things that I like? Okay, I'm gonna make a confession to you, and and this is uh, just because I don't know Madhavi that well. I always like because I I am not me in front of everybody, right? And I don't think I've gotten to be fully me yet in front of her because I still think of her as like a nice, normal person. I don't think it, it, I was going to say, it doesn't connect. And it's weird because people do that to Sarah. People will be like, oh, Sarah. And they'll, you know, and they'll be very like, not eggshelly, but like, they'll be like, not the way they would behave in front of me alone. And, and I'm like, she's married to me. People saying to me at work, well, I'm going to tell your wife you said that. Like, she doesn't know what I say. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I do like, I, and you're the best example of that because I don't have too many other people where I'm like, oh yeah, like they're, they don't know, like, cause I know, like I've seen you guys together. I know that like, she is, you know, she's aware of who you are. You're not like, you're not, uh, you don't have a double life going on. <laughs> you're, you're the same across the board. And I always find it funny when people do it to me and Sarah. And I think I occasionally just like, I think of her and I think of Leah as being nice people. I'm like, no, but they, they're around Matthew all the time. They've got to be a little bit acceptable of weird, I, of super weirdos. I had a coworker <laughs> like me. Yeah. I had a coworker um, like early in my career who was very well respected in his subgenre. Like he worked in computer validation in the regulatory department at my company. And he's like an yeah. expert in that stuff. And, and, um, and he's the weirdest person in the world. Like, he walked past my desk and he will stop at my desk and, be like, and put up his hand for a high five, even when I'm not paying attention, don't know he's there, and start going, dude, 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 until you turn and give him a high five. And he'd come over like and argue baseball with me like I don't even care. But like he was just so over-the-top goofy and weird, but brilliant and super professional in what he does, right? Yeah. So one day my wife works at a different company at the time, but in that same area. They're coming, her and her boss and one other person in the group, to my company to a seminar that he's giving in one of our meeting rooms. And her boss is going on over on over and over again how excited he is to meet this guy and you know, get to move to talk to him on the break. Meanwhile, when I first started at the company, I you know, I was a contractor or whatever, and I was first getting to know him and stuff, I worked a night job at uh, the bookstore at Barnes and Noble. And one time yeah. my wife was visiting me at Barnes and Noble and he and his wife were there and the four of us were talking. And at some point his wife said to my wife, you haven't asked me the question. My wife's like, what question? She goes, everyone I meet, you know, from the office says, how can you be married to him? And Mother goes, no, no, no. People ask me the question. Like, I don't have to ask the question. <laughs> so, so then they're at this seminar. People ask Sarah the question. Yeah, exactly. And then she and her, her coworkers are at the seminar and they come to the first break an hour in whatever. Um, and the guy running it, uh, John goes, okay, we're going to take a 15 to 20 minute break. Um, but there's one person here I need to talk to. And he goes running into the crowd, stops in front of Mahdi, puts his hand up, goes, dude, dude, dude. And she had to high five him before he would let them break. And her, his, <laughs> her boss was freaking out. Like this person she's he's dying to meet runs over to the underling to play with high fives. Yeah, nice. Madhavi's like, oh yeah, we're friends. <laughs> nice. And I don't think Madhavi knew that he was the one, like she met him once, you know, so I don't think by name she knew that's who they was. Like it was like she walked in and was like, oh, that's the guy. And he saw her and was like, oh, that's Matthew's wife. You know, so it was an unplanned uh, union. Nice. But yeah, there is that question. How can you be married to him? And, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. But my, that just shows mom, that's a person you wouldn't have married, that person who asked that question. <laughs> yeah. My mom says to Sarah, if I say something like, if I make a, what the hell was that noise? That was me not having put my phone on Do Not Disturb. Oh, okay. Uh, my mom, if I say something like, you know, like dirt, well, I'll say more innuendo than than flat out dirty. But Some fist in this chick. Anyway, if I say though. something like that in front of my mom, she'll look at Sarah and be like, you married him. <laughs> <laughs> and my sister occasionally will do the same thing. She'll be like, why did you marry him? Or, or uh, I don't know, like she'll, she'll give, they'll, they'll all give Sarah the same thing. And it's like, like we're hey, stuck with him. You've all known you me chose. longer and. I, I was this before before Sarah, you know, so you knew this. So Yeah, you guys all had input in raising me. Like, yeah. <laughs> like when, parents and older sister can take the blame for who I am. So here, here's a thought. Now, this is kind of, we have to lend a little bit of a uh, uh, suspension. We have to suspend our disbelief belief for a second. Because I think we both are in agreement that there is not really a such thing as a soulmate. Um, there is a, you know, there's like, uh, you know, there are a, people with whom you are compatible. And if you're lucky enough to find one of them and then lucky enough to grow in the same direction and intertwine your roots, yes. maybe you can succeed okay. at marriage. And as we know, the success of marriage is dying while married. That's success. Well, that's what I was going to change up on, on this question was, is the concept of soulmates as you and I are kind of thinking about it is that contingent on romantic and or sexual relationships it is for me motherfucker yeah but I mean like I haven't had trying to think of an example but I feel like we all know somebody who's like I would almost if Sarah had not met me her two best friends I think uh, are like the three of them are Athos and Porthos. More, you mean? Yeah, yeah. The, like the three musketeers. Yeah, they're very much the three musketeer like concept. Like they are like very. I mean, maybe not Sarah so much because she's the liberal of the group. But like the others, they you know like they. Well, then they're certainly not three musketeers because they're not all for one and one for all. <laughs> no, they're but they're you know like I, the idea of like. Your friend being like a friend, yeah. Well, I say I can being say, a more the most important person in your life, the person you hang out with every day. If your best friend or your brother, maybe it's siblings. A lot of times, if you're like brothers and you own a business together and you hang out, or yeah. twins probably well, feel this way. I could feel that way, like um, you know, that Mikey and I have been friends for decades, and we will continue until we die. And if there was the equivalent of soulmate in a you know, in a non-romantic relationship, like that's as close to it as my relationship with my wife is, you know, our friendship yeah. is strong. Our friendship is strong. I'm sorry. That's a song we improvised once in the show. It just popped back in my head to the yeah. tune of California dreaming. We go, our friendship is strong. Our friendship and you've is been strong. inside him before, right? Um, I mean, he's fat. I could climb into him like a Tom Tom. It's not, he's not, he's not that heavy. <laughs> But he's not anyway. heavy, he's my brother. Anyway. <laughs> I thought he smelled uh, bad on the outside. And I was right, he did. Um, I will, okay, not that this is a soulmate thing, and obviously, like, but, but I just thought of it, something that was funny, because, you know, you're talking about, we're talking about friends and stuff. 
Uh, and Chandler's dead. One, so. one of the yeah. Okay, let's get let's hit all the hot button topics. <laughs> the Jews, ketamine. You know what I get mean. You know, you know what I get mean. Oh my god, <laughs> are we soulmates right now? <laughs> Comedy soulmates. Uh, so what I was gonna say is that Sarah showed somebody a. Sarah's always saying that you look like you could be my big brother, and there was a picture of you. Maybe it was probably the podcast when you had no facial hair recently, or no, no, it was at the event. It was at the. Uh, when we had a philosopher visitor? No, it was Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. When you had your mask on. Mm-hmm. Sarah showed the picture of you with your mask on to somebody and said, who is this? And I think it was my father-in-law. And he goes, that's Mike. And I was like, I was like, in like a very generic, we all, all us white guys look alike kind of way. I guess we look alike, but. And then Sarah says that that you are uh, what I aspire to be in, in 20 years. And I'm like, he's not that much older than me. <laughs> what year were you born again? I always forget. 84. So you're 17 years older than me. Yeah. So. Eh. <laughs> that is scary. I was a junior in high school. Like I wasn't a virgin. I could be your dad. Yeah. <laughs> if time travel is a real thing, I could be yours. So. No, my wife, my mother wouldn't talk to you. Not only wouldn't would she? Not again. Did you cut out? Not only would oh there you are. Uh, maybe. Not only would she fuck me, she has fucked me. <laughs> yeah, so while I was cut <laughs> out, I went I had a pause, then I went again. So you missed it again. Because <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> the punchline was screwed up by the internet. <laughs> yes. And the more we do this podcast, the more I go, Oh, we we are becoming soul not. Um I, I, I know I've I never know, had I know what you kinda mean. I don't think I've ever had that kind of uh, friendship. I think Sarah is like the closest thing I've ever had to, to a, a soulmate, to to a fr- to a real friend. No, because I because um, like ultimately I do get sick of almost everybody. Like, I mean, I so there are three people. Mm, yeah, three. Mookie's close, but not not the same. There's three people who I feel like I can make any stupid reference or any obscure reference and they will either get it or at least know right away it's a reference and be able to play with it regardless of whether they get the actual reference or not. Oh, yeah. And one is, of course, Mikey, who is my my best friend and partner in comedy and crime. Um, The other is you. And we we had that in the office all the time when nobody else even knew we were making references and jokes. Yeah. And the other is this guy I used to do comedy with. His name is Falcon. Um, so, hey, if you guys live in the Triangle and you know Falcon, you know Falcon. Guess how many Falcons are there in the Triangle um, that don't fly? And uh saw him for the first time in years. Like, like last time I saw him was, I think, my 50th birthday party, um, which was not the 50th time I had a birthday party, but it was a birthday party for me turning 50 because it was a Halloween party. And that's Understood. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's like the, the last time that I saw him. And actually, no, it was my 51st. He was at my 51st. But like, I haven't seen him since then. And randomly, we were at, uh, not randomly, but a, a mutual friend had a party on last Friday night. And he wasn't going to go until he heard that I was going because I don't usually go to those things. And he came because I was there. And by the end of the night, we were being so obscure that nobody could be in a, near us in the conversation because it was like, it was like the episode of Star Trek with the people, the 
alien race who only speaks in allegory to you know references to their 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 legends and and stuff that was yeah. us by the end we were just doing quote back and forth we quote lining each other it was uh, very refreshing i am honored that i just made that list because i when you started talking about it i was like i feel like i'm close i feel like i'm getting there and then you said it and i was like okay i wouldn't i wouldn't have blamed you for not putting me on there but i'm honored that you put me on there no, when, we, when you were in the the year that we worked together in the office, yeah. I mean, we could have a conversation at lunch that nobody knew a word that we were saying to each other. Yes, yeah, yeah. And Sarah, Sarah, and I have that in a totally different way. Sarah and I, though, it's and that's I think part of maybe the more of the soulmate thing is when you have when when you can communicate entirely on inside jokes and references. Mm-hmm. So they're not even like like it's not even just like doctor who stuff but it'll be like uh you know whenever we offer if we ever if anybody ever has gum we always you know we'll say to each other uh you need this gum and uh which is an inside joke and i told you last week about naughty like jeffrey dahmer and uh and so like we we have i mean literally sarah and i can go back and forth and they're not people will think that they understand the reference like the Jeffrey Dahmer thing, but they, there's no way unless they were in the room when it happened or I've explained it. Like and they don't get the layers of it. It's just Sarah and me. Like, and I think that's, yeah, that's the part of the relationship that I think becomes, it's almost like the secret. You, you've seen Nell, uh-huh. the Jodie Foster movie. They have their own twin language. Uh-huh. I feel like when you get to a certain 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 degree with you know certain amount of time and and spending with your with your significant other and they're actually like your best friend not just the way people like to say it yeah. but they're actually you get to that point when you have your own like secret language and like sarah logan will sit in the back seat and we're like does it bother you that we're just constantly doing this and he's like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> it's funny but like he should be learning it like the way my yeah. my parents picked up yiddish from their parents talking yiddish so that they wouldn't understand them and they picked up like they don't know perfect yiddish and perfect grammar like they don't speak it like my son does but they can understand enough of it because they were forced to pick it up to spy on their parents you think yeah. they start getting the references even if he doesn't fully get them what's really cool here's a thing that you'll start running into now that logan's getting more uh, older and able to to consume more media that he then he then, you know, then just kid stuff as he gets older, yeah. He will start to get the references for the first time that he's heard you make forever. Like he'll see yeah. things. Is that where that's from? There's going to be a lot of. Is that where that's from? As yeah. he gets older, there's a friend of mine who the greatest thing is um, when he was like three, he would take like a cane or a stick or something like that and bang it on the ground all the time. It's like the banging sound. And his parents, because of the movie, the 1984 movie Dune, would be like, oh, Daniel's summoning the worms. He's calling the worms. Look, go, go ahead. Call those worms. Call the worms. So he's like three years old. He'd be like, I'm calling the worms. I'm calling the worms. And would bang the stick on the ground. And um, when he was like 16, he was with friends and they were watching Dune. And he gets to the part where I'm going to plant this thumper. Like, boom, boom, boom. And it will call a worm. And he goes, I need to call my parents. <laughs> he calls parents. We're watching Dune. Is that where calling the worms comes from? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. But all right, back to soulmates, not cellmates. I don't think the teacher was your soulmate. Nope. Nope. Uh, you got anything else to say about soulmates? 
Um, I've been lying this whole time. Mavi is my soulmate. We were destined. Yeah. I mean, I I think there is not. So here, here's the thing. If you're, I think I started to say this, and I don't think I got through with it, which was, if it makes you feel good about your relationship to have romantic a romanticized version of of your relationship while not glossing over the work that needs to be done problems that exist but you think like this is my soulmate even if it's wrong i don't think that that's a problem like like when i was with my exes like i said i i thought my first ex that i dated for three and a half years was my soulmate clearly she wasn't but like me thinking that wasn't really the big problem it was just that you know ultimately we didn't work out at the end but uh, i don't think that um but i think that the idea of of convincing yourself that you're that you have a soulmate is okay as long as it doesn't blind you you know what i mean yeah i mean if it's just um a term you use to express how how well your relationship has turned out and how well yeah. you feel you see and you're happy in your marriage um, clap your hands then yeah. then cool you know it's an expression but I, I i worry about it um blinding someone to flaws that should be worked on but think well yeah. my soulmate i don't know if or worse were worser cases scenarios someone who's in an abusive relationship but doesn't get out because well yeah. we're soulmates i can't i shouldn't or Absolutely. someone who never does the work to have a strong relationship because they're waiting to find that soulmate that magically clicks without yeah. knowing that that magic is uh, an illusion. I feel like you ranked something yesterday, Martha. The um, that's the exception. She is the perfect Doctor Who <laughs> companion. She, she's well, not a, doing it a, just by appearance. She's a good character. Her dynamic with the Doctor is arguably one of the most problematic, I think. Um I th- and 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 she is very pretty. Um, Actually, I, I I I wish they hadn't done the unrequited crush backstory yeah. because I mean well, what I loved about her was that first episode, like when they were feeling her out as a companion, and she's you know about to become a doctor, and she right away is like, oh wait, what if if you know if there wasn't some way to breathe, the air would be rushed out of the out of the hospital by now. It's you know it's safe to open the window because it's not airtight anyway. You know, she's just yeah. she's she's just so smart and handles the situation yeah. so well. And it's everything except her stupid relationship with the doctor that I love about the about the character and, and everything. Like she's the perfect yeah. companion except she, for the crush. Though no, they've also she, retroactively made it that every companion has had a crush on him. They just expressed it differently. Yeah. She deserved better, but that's kind of the story. But they did. She gets it at the end. (laughs) But like when they, you know, when they, when she's in the Donna storyline, like her life has progressed and gotten better. Then at the end, she's with Mickey. So I watched a video a couple of months ago about how there's a trope in, and I forget what it's like the disposable, uh, the disposable other, significant other, and it's you know in order to you know we want character A and character B to end up together. But to give them a little bit of of uh, obstacle, we introduce character C as like a to make it a love triangle, even though it's like really in the just office. they're there, like, like, like they're Pam there to... being engaged in the office, right? Yeah. It was just, However, just there. there's a huge part of this trope that 
that uh, falls onto color people of color um, because it while you know Pam from the office obviously that's a, th- a three white people uh, my first thought was not a people of color person but but there's a lot of tropes where it's it's uh, two white people and then the 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 person see the disposable person is a person of color and and they were like and so you get Rose and the and Eccleston and, and followed by Rose and Tennant and Mickey and Mickey's the disposable one and then you have uh you Danny have Pink. <laughs> that you, when you the, meet when you, you meet have, Donna she's engaged to a, a black guy when um yeah. Clara's um in, she engaged but she's in love with Danny Pink who dies yeah, yeah that, that comes up a lot it's like a, it's a safe yeah. way to do an interracial relationship because you know you're not going to keep it through the end of the storyline exactly and then and then the person pointed out and then in this case you have Martha is kind of the disposable relationship because he's he's still not over Rose and he and he meets uh there's other women throughout that series that uh he meets that are you know that he matches with and then she's the other person you know the the woman in the family blood I can't remember her name the nurse the yeah and and so they're like so then you have the two disposable people of color love interests end up together and then it, she said it was like supremely insulting especially when they had never had screen time together before and so i was like oh so there's a lot of like yeah it's funny i don't it's weird because i look at doctor who as color doesn't exist in that universe they mix and match and they don't care like nobody even yeah. cares and it just happened to me hey let's take the two people who are both travel with a doctor and fight aliens and make them a couple yeah. because they're that wouldn't that be cool they're the two people who like they don't belong in unit yeah. they don't belong in torchwood they belong on their own and they're the only ones who understand each other yeah and i think that there's probably i mean i i don't like being over hypercritical of stuff through today's lens that wasn't made today but at the same time i just think it's interesting and and uh I think that yeah. Well, I will say for Donna, you know, she in the did you watch the the three specials, the, the recent specials? Yes. And yeah. you know, they uh made you know well, the last the David the last original David Tennant episode was she's getting married to uh, a black guy, and here it is yeah. fifteen years later, and they're totally happy, totally perfectly adjusted. You know, it was not disposable at all. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so yay on yeah, them doing think- it right. In this. They've learned, yeah, yeah, and I think that they learned because they could I have mean, had her been divorced for fourteen years, <laughs> right? And I think that's the key when you take talk about that kind of a problem is, you know, because Russell T Davies was the one who create who created all of the examples we just came up with. He learned it's not he's not being like, well, Apu has been a character for thirty years. I'm going to continue to do it this well, way. Neither did Hank Azaria. He stopped doing Apu. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. But, but the Simpsons, yeah. the Simpsons would have continued, and the fandom largely was like, "Hey, how you know how come this is all of a sudden?" And it's like it was never. It's not all of a sudden, but you learn. And so, like, yeah, that wasn't to throw Hank yeah, Azaria yeah. into the. the his thing was, like, I never meant it as insulting. And then you point out, because it's it's a reflection of reality. But then, like, oh wait, but it reinforces stereotypes to people who do think yeah. the stereotypes. Maybe I shouldn't be playing into their stereotypes, even if I don't mean anything by it. Yeah, that was, now, that was a rule listeners. we had in my improv comedy that if you were going to do any kind of, I mean, you have to do accents and stuff. Almost, almost have to do it in in short form yeah. comedy because it gets you to a, a shortcut character and makes it different than the last character you played. But yeah. our rules: if you're doing any kind of ethnic accent, then you have to play that character to the height of your intelligence. Like, 
if you're doing an Indian yeah. accent, which I do really well because my half my extended family is Indian, it's as a professor, not as a Seven Eleven owner. Yeah. And yeah. besides, the more appropriate thing could be for them to own a hotel because every Prasad owns a hotel. We all know that's true. We who don't have Indian family members, actually, I do have an Indian family member, but he's distant. Uh, do not know that. Anyway, um, I was going to say to listeners. That Simpsons reference that I just made, that will be the one Simpsons reference I will ever make because it's I've never watched The Simpsons more than like two episodes. So I don't watch The Simpsons because I watch Family Guy and he recycles all the Simpsons jokes. So I don't need to watch The Simpsons. Nice. All right. Any last thoughts? Okay, just had him. Any that you'd care to share with the Oh gods no. Nobody needs to hear that thought. So, um, I don't have much to wrap it up. I think we did a good, you know, we we talked about it. Uh, you know what? I, I, you know what I think that it's important for soulmates to do, though. If soulmates are watching this on YouTube, they need to hit the like button. They need to subscribe to this channel. They need to ring the notification bell so that they know whenever a new video drops. They need to like comment so that the yeah. algorithm knows they're engaged. They need to criticize you for thinking that Dopey fucks penguins. They need to share this with their friends. They need to subscribe on their podcaster player of choice. But regardless of which one they subscribe on, they need to go on to iTunes and rate it five stars and write how amazing we all are. And you know, when you're on iTunes, you can subscribe to the premium um, stream there and for uh, $3 a month and get the equivalent of subscribing $3 a month on patreon.com backslash talking about the big stuff and get that Patreon feed. But on Patreon, you know, they could subscribe to $10 a month if they're really into it. And then every once in a while, they'll get an over the top, I can't believe how profane that was. Why did Michael do that to his cousin level podcast Jesus episode? <laughs> And if the if you subscribe to the ten dollar uh, Patreon, you will get to see that uh, every example that Matthew has ever used is not what actually happened. Anyway, well, ten dollars to find out. Anyway, so do you have a last thought. I mean, after that, I'll just say everyone thanks for um, spending some time with us and talking about the big stuff, um, because you're my true soulmate. I'll leave my wife for you. Me or the audience? The audience, not you. Fuck you.